The Totally Super Podcast is coming to Geeks Radio. Justin and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. Search for Totally Super Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Totally Super Podcast 2017. Warning, the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. It's Hey there, welcome to Pop Off. I'm Arthur. I'm Justin. And today we are continuing in our series of talking about Firefly, uh, the Joss Whedon, what some say was his magnum opus uh, that I only disagree lasted. With that. Hmm? <laughs> I disagree with that assertion. But well, that's what that's why I said some say. Clearly, you are not one of the some. No. You see, had I said all, uh, all considered his magnum opus, then you could be like, "Excuse me," but uh, you know, with some. Yes. It is yeah, worth pointing yeah. out that what the audience has not heard, that it has been literally eight minutes since you called me a robot dick. And I just love that I was called a robot <laughs> dick. It's, I love wow. the idea yeah. of robot dick. And I, I, I see that as being the big bad of, of Firefly season six. Season six. <laughs> really? The evil robot. When Joss just runs out of ideas, where he's just like, look, it's, it's a, I don't know, robot dick. See, for me, you can tell what, you can tell my, how my brain works because I immediately go like, "Oh my god, they they found the brain of Richard III and then put it in a robot." Oh, you know? dick. So, ah, ah, Shakespeare. Ah. Um, okay. So, uh, so uh, yeah, we're starting. We to- have a uh, we have a uh, we have a adult. Uh, nature warning at the beginning of this podcast, don't we? Uh, yeah, I know it says that that there may be be I think it's or something, but we won't mm-hmm. go further than 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 we won't get any more graphic than we just got. Um, sorry, than we just got. We just decided to set the bar at its sorry. level with robot dick. Ah, uh, yes, so. yes. What I mean is the is the uh, is the British food. The British food is what I'm talking like spotted dick, <laughs> spotted dick, robot. That's exactly dick. what I'm talking it's, about. It's and Shakespeare. It's all Britain, really. It's all it's, it's all, all British, yeah. It's all We're British. very British here. Yes. Hello. Uh, so we are continuing with uh, Firefly. We got halfway through the season, <laughs> season, season. Uh, series. Well, and interestingly enough, halfway through the series last time. So we're going to pick it up here and continue, and then uh, in the next podcast, we'll be talking about Serenity. But for now, let us continue talking about Firefly. And I think the first one. Let's see. Our last one was uh, we finished with Janestown. Ooh, which means our next one is Out of Gas. The which, eighth episode. The eighth episode, which um, I will facetiously say that all people consider the best episode of Firefly. You know, I I know. No, I I I. It's maybe my third favorite. You see, see, see what I did see, there. See, uh, I knew that you'd disagree with that, so I set you up for that. One. I know it's like it's like I'm a fish. It's like you're just <laughs> holding out the bait for me. You know what to do. It's funny that I would do something so predictable in that I am going to be following along uh, on TVTropes.org today. Um, uh, as, ah. as I get some of the interesting tropes within the, it, they had the like. So if you ever try and do a Firefly podcast uh, audience out there, and you ever get to the point where you like you need to kind of review the episodes, the the wikis are like twenty pages long. It's like really you. Yeah, like, it's insane. <laughs> People like here's the thing. Um, 
I sometimes wonder what if we're spending our spare time productively by making a podcast about Firefly. And then I go and look at some of these wikis and then I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, we're good. We're good. We're totally fine. And it's really easy. Like, oh, like over on Trek off when we do like a whole season long thing, we're getting 26 in. And so we can do the little like, like, you know, Sonat, like the little paragraph that like kind of leads into it. And I've seen, you know, I've seen Next Gen a lot more than I've seen Firefly, admittedly. So I'm able to kind of mm-hmm. extrapolate from that little like three sentence thing. But that's not quite enough for for Firefly. So I need something longer than like, you know, the ship runs out of gas and Mal tries to fix it. And that's like all they say. Like, I need something yeah. bigger than that. But it's either that or it's like 20 pages. So the shortest I found was tvtropes.org. Mm-hmm. But it also lists some really interesting things. If you don't know what a trope is, it's essentially those things that occur in stories over and over and over again. Um, I mean, pretty much uh, ha- more than half of my commentary is just recycled knowledge from TV Tropes. Yes. I mean, free sponsorship right there. Like tvtropes.org org i think yes uh the best place for wiki diving ever uh, but so anyway out of gas here i'll read the uh <laughs> here, tell you what i'll i'll read the really short synopsis that i found and then you can read one of yeah, yours and we'll go through um, this yeah out of gas after serenity suffers a catastrophe that leaves her crew with only hours of oxygen flashbacks show how mal and zoe acquired serenity and assembled their motley band the uh, the TV trope okay, says first this is first in, points yeah, off the I, I have to say points off this synopsis for instead of saying motley they said motley band they had a clear opportunity to say motley crew but they did not so I, I award I award the synopsis no points for various no reasons, but no sorry uh, the synopsis here uh, lists some things in this rather quote anachronically ordered episode Mal attempts to repair the ship after catastrophic catastrophic engine failure while this is happening dueling flashbacks explain how we got here as well as some everyone meets everyone backstory and all those pauses of course are are emphasizing some of the main tropes uh, in the episode um. Basically, uh, uh, what the episode shows you is 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 because of the uh, because of the piece of the ship that in the very first episode of of Firefly, Kaylee said, "You know, you really need to get this fixed." Um, it finally goes bad. The compression coil uh, finally goes bad, causes a huge explosion, um, and uh, and the ship is uh, is slowly dying. Um, Interesting. Quick. Uh- tidbit that i found fascinating the part of the engine that goes bad and causes the explosion yeah in i think two previous episodes kaylee says captain we really need to fix this specific part otherwise something's going to happen and they finally get up to it and then boom Mm -hmm. um uh so that gives basically the 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 ship the members of the ship go off their separate ways uh mal stays on the ship going to go down with it eventually they come back and and if you minus the flashbacks it's basically the ship's breaking down mal decides to stick around some pirates just come on they leave uh mal mm-hmm. falls asleep and the rest of the crew comes back that's the plot yeah um yeah but but what makes the episode wonderful is so much more than the plot is is all the all the flashbacks um and yeah. the the way the that it's different um uh what are some of the ones that really stuck out to you because i have one that i love uh, the, well i'll actually yeah. go i'll actually go beyond that it's not just the flashbacks actually the this episode more than any of the others i felt although objects in space came pretty close um it captured the loneliness of space yeah um of being you know everyone always talks about being out there in the black um 
the sheer enormous vastness of it. Uh, you know, it's running out of gas in space is the equivalent of running out of water in the Sahara Desert, except like to the nth degree. Um, and just that sense of... Uh, I'm always so fascinated and moved by that particular kind of danger of, oh, we are, you know, there. it's very unlikely that anyone will hear our cries for help and we are slowly but surely going to run out of oxygen. Like, this is not going to be a... It is not a quick death. It is a... We get time to really think about it and confront our own mortality as it happens. There's a... Uh, which there's makes for great TV. There's a wonderfully sort of scary movie that came out maybe 15, 16 years ago called Open Water. That's, uh, that's basically... Oh, God. I, ca I can't even watch it. Nope, nope, nope. You, so much nope. You know what this is, right? So the, oh, yeah. so uh, basically a man and a woman are stuck on a lifeboat uh, with sharks in the water. Um, and the sharks are not a danger to them while they're in the lifeboat. Um, but they just have to stay in the lifeboat in the middle of the ocean and slowly deteriorate. And they may do better if one of them gets into the water, if I remember correctly. But getting the water is also terrifyingly dangerous. Um, mm -hmm. It is just that idea of being out there and nothing, nothing as far as the eye can see. It's terrifying. It's like it's it's I'm agoraphobic a little bit to begin with. But but this is this takes it to a new level, especially when you get into space and you're just like there's the, the concept that there that there are, you know, the size. If you think of the size of the Earth and there's, you know. A thousand of them between you in any given direction and anybody else. That's it's really scary. <laughs> yeah. The uh if I had if I had uh, gone into a scientific career, it totally would have been astronomy for the sheer reason that holy shit, space just keeps getting bigger. Like you not only does like space get bigger, but the more you learn about it, the more you have to continually redefine your concept of what big really is. Um, I, I went to a science museum today and in that science museum, they just, it was just this one little graphic that said how many earths would fit inside the sun. And then they show a million earths would fit inside the sun. And even that concept, like the idea mm -hmm. of a million, anything, a million, anything, the yeah. idea that, 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 you know, a million pennies would be bigger than the size of your house. Just think about it, like that's what a million would like. That's a million of mm -hmm. something. And um, then you realize the sun is actually quite small. Yeah, the sun's quite small, and there are many, you know, many distances of the sun between the sun and us. And mm -hmm. like just the idea of, and and then we're just here on the earth, and we're just one of you know seven eight billion people here, is just yeah. like it makes you feel that the idea that is kind of insignificant, which is, you know, something that nobody wants to feel, but Hey, now mm -hmm. that put down the razor, we're just going to talk about firefly. Yeah. We're going to be <laughs> what fine. Is it? I'll jump, I'll jump ahead real quick to, uh, I think it was in serenity, but somebody, one of the theories of how the reavers came to be, yeah. although of course those who have watched serenity know the truth, but one of the theories of how the reavers came to be was they said they were just men who looked out into the black and saw it for its true self. Uh, that old saying of when you gaze into the abyss, the abyss, the abyss gazes, gazes back at you. Yeah. Mm. Okay, now I'm putting the razors down. Let's talk about it. Yes, I know. Right, so what, what, were, what, were you, what was the flashback that jumped out at you? Oh, I love... And Look, we're, we're going over some of the same uh, the same ground we went over when we talked about the characters. But man, Kaylee's flashback is amazing. Kaylee Lovefest, that is exactly what I was going to do, just saying. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the, there's a guy named Bester. He's the mechanic and he's not that good. And, and she is the, you know, in any other show, he would be the Han Solo and she would be the, the ditzy piece of ass that he's getting on the side. But in this show, um, she is kind of the ditzy piece of ass, but then she's also absolutely her own woman, absolutely smarter than anybody else in the room, absolutely deserves to be there more than the man. And it turns out that, that she is like every, Every assumption you made about her is both true and absolutely false at the same time. It's it's a wonderful subversion of expectations. Um, and it'd be easy to subvert the expectation to have her then be, you know, kind of kind of gruff and suave and kind of, you know, but no, she is still absolutely a hee hee girl, um, but is also brilliant and better, better than the guy mm-hmm. whose name is Bester. Yeah, I think is is so that's that that's everything else I can sort of. Everything else is what I would have accept, like expected it to be. Like mm-hmm. I would like everything. You could have predicted that Zoe didn't like Wash, right? You could have predicted that the ship was a piece of junk. You know what I mean? All of that you yeah. kind of could predict. Um, there is an interesting one in the flashback, though, with Anara. Uh, I do kind of like that when he's meaning. You know, of course they fight immediately. Mal and Anara. Of course. Um, I find it interesting that uh, Anara's two rules: don't walk in on me uninvited and don't call me whore. He breaks frequently. Always. Again, Going back to our previous thesis, Mal is actually kind of an asshole. Not um, even kind of. It's yeah. <laughs> Mal is just uh, an but asshole. But also, interestingly, when we were talking about you know how the alliance is not the empire, like Inara supported unification, which huh. started their fight in the first place. Uh, which made me actually think it's just like we we don't know a ton about Inara's past, like before she became a companion. Um, but. Uh, you know, I don't know how privileged her past was, but certainly, you know, it is interesting that she was like, no, I, I was actually in support of the Alliance. Whether or not she is still now, don't know, but... Well, it's interesting because um, a companion is, you know, that's a, I mean, that's a bit of world building we can get into real quick. A companion mm-hmm. is, you go to school to be a companion. You are groomed yeah. to be a companion. The companions mm-hmm. have their There's own... There's a shit ton of education that goes into that. They have their own planet. They have their own world. It's the companion mm-hmm. world. We we see the companion world on in Serenity. Like it's a it, mm-hmm. that's a thing. So the question is, is that a world where you were born and companions are born there and and groomed there and that's what everybody from that world does, or is that world mm-hmm. like a giant like this huge like university, like a university where. Yeah. In which case, are there people who, as they grow up, go, "What I really is it hard to get into that school." Like, do people mm-hmm. like want to be like, is there a lesser school for everything in the world? There's a lesser school for it, right? There's, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, is there a community college version for companions where you, you get the certification to be a companion, but everyone knows you went, you know, to there. Oh my gosh. And now I'm just suddenly seeing the, those old, uh, Sally Struthers. Um, oh no, not Sally Struthers. That was the, that was the children in Africa. The, uh, but the old, uh, you know, trade school commercials yeah. from the 80s. Like I'm like, you too can get yeah. a degree. Yeah, you too can get a degree in yeah. plumbing, electrical engineering, oh companion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> exactly. like, scrolls up. <laughs> like that, like you wonder if that's if that's a thing. Like is that like mm-hmm. it's and 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 one would so like and if if that is let's let's it's boring to think, you know, it's a very short conversation to go, no, they're born on that planet and that's how they grow up. Um, no, I don't think that's it at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, far too, far too uninteresting. As yeah. So, so if we say that, like, that's something they want to go do and be, um, like, like it, it, it occurs to me that that my my career, that my, you know, when I'm not 
busy, you know, podcasting or making movies. I I work in the medical community and and sometimes I think about my own job as like the weirdest job. It's the weirdest job mm-hmm. in the world. Like like I do some of the most disgusting things and then I give people narcotics and stick them with needles. Like it's, 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 and it's, I never imagined that I'd get into it, but there are people who that's what they want to do. Like they dream their whole, like, I imagine there are people who, you know, fall into being a companion who end up being really good at it. I like to think that I'm pretty Mm -hmm. good at my job, but you knew me beforehand. I never intended to do that. It's just something that like, I literally, for anyone out there, like after I passed like the boards for the job that I do, I went and got drunk with Arthur. Like that mm-hmm. day, like well, I, went to I think you got drunk with me that day because you didn't know that you had, pe- yeah. like you didn't know whether you I would had, pass or not. I taken them so. and I was crying. <laughs> um, uh, but <laughs> I got you so drunk. Oh my gosh, my wife had to pick me up. It was not yeah. good. Um, but so, uh, but yeah, but that was one of those things where you you originally went into nursing because it was a good way to pay for all the artistic stuff that you wanted yeah. to do. But then I, I, it I end has, up being, but you've actually fallen into the job as well. Yeah, and and I'm and I'm pretty good. Does that happen? Like, is there are there people mm-hmm. who fall into it? But but I know nurses who that's the, all they ever dreamed of doing, and it's hard for me to imagine knowing what the job is that these people and they love it still would as as you know ten year old girls dream. I can't wait till I can put a catheter in ninety year old men. <laughs> but the, but that's part of the job. And so mm-hmm. you wonder, you know, clearly sex is part of the job with being a companion, but it is not the only part of the job. It is. No, I would imagine much like with, well, much like uh, nursing or, or doctoring, uh, as a kid, you fall in love with the glamorous parts first. And yeah. then it is the love of the glamorous moment. It, uh, not necessarily glamorous, but, you know, like I can easily see a 10 year old girl falling in love with the idea of saving people's lives. And the love of that is enough to keep them going through all the times they need to clean shit out of bedpans. Yeah. Well, um, and then and then you get to, you know, the other part of 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 being a companion, which is just like if we if you really go down the rabbit hole, like the like like she does. There is an expectation in that transaction that sex is going to be part of that transaction. There is an. I would say usually yes. Yes. Yeah. That that it's it's not like being an escort where it's sort of in you expect it but not really. I think it's like part of the no, actual. It is, it is straight up. Le- it is straight up legal. Yeah, um, I mean, again, we could head canon as to whether or not it's sort of. Uh, I'm sure it's you know it may well even be something that is negotiated ahead of time as to whether yeah. or not that would be included in the. Um, what, you know, since we're just creating companions yeah. backstory here. So, but what um, makes it interesting is that is that she also like you would imagine that you know some of these escorts, certainly prostitutes, have to spend uh, you know most of their time you know like like with with people they would not want to be with, like uh, with unattractive people. That's going to be a part of of what they have to deal with. But mm-hmm. um, but Anara is able to choose her her clients. She like she is mm-hmm. only with people that she wants to be with. And over the course of the show, I've never seen her with anybody who wasn't legitimately attractive. Yeah. Like she's that could always- also that could also be it's Hollywood. There are no unattractive people on television in Hollywood. Period. Well, th- there are some pretty disgusting people in 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 Firefly. They you know, yes, but but yeah. I, I would say that but they are deliberately disgusting. Yeah. Never just unattractive. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess when when the when the least attractive when the when the weirdest looking guy is Mr. Universe, who you know is a really good looking guy. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, there's the that's there. There's that old saying in in acting in general. It's like either you got to look really good or 
quote unquote really bad. If you're, you know, just like a little overweight or something like that, you don't get cast in anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I will also say again, this is the, uh, you know. Once again, how film and theater are totally different from real life. The demands of the industry uh, are totally different than the demands of what a fully functioning, healthy society's approach to beauty should be. And yeah. yet, here we are. Um. Anyway, we that, that's that rabbit hole. Do you have anything else to mm-hmm. say about uh, about Out of Gas other than good? Episode? Well, with Out of Gas again, you know, actually, now that I'm thinking it, because at first I was thinking, oh, it's all about the flashbacks, but more and more I'm realizing it's. I actually really, the flashbacks, their main purpose is to set up this incredibly beautiful, powerful story of these friends in danger realizing, you know, that, you know, they have to separate, uh, you know, leaving somebody behind just in case. Like, so, so many difficult choices that need to be made in this plot. Um, not to mention the the sheer gutsiness of Mal getting shot in the gut by the people that yeah. he thought were going to help him out and then sort of, you know, struggling to his feet and then beating them back. Uh, there is so much to this. And the, the camera work is great. Uh, again, it captures... This is an episode about loneliness and love. There's so much love in this episode between the crew and especially... At the end, you see the love that Mal has for his ship. The fact that at the beginning of the episode, you hear the voice of the salesman saying, oh, this ship is going to do you great. You treat her right. She'll do all this stuff. And then at the end, you realize that the salesman is talking about a completely different ship. And Mal's eyes have just turned to this hunk of junk uh, over in the corner of the scrapyard. And the look on his face, it's like the look that you would expect from somebody who just watched their wife to be walk into the room for the first time. Uh, it's really, it's just this beautiful, beautiful moment. And that's how they end the episode. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's an ongoing theme in Joss's work. Uh, the theme of found family, the only real strong, mm, yeah. the only real strong family members that you have um, for your main characters are, people that your main characters are dominant over or parental over, right? So so Angel has no relationship with his father and has no son, and he gains a son over the course of the show. Uh, Buffy has no relationship with her father. I guess Joyce is the mm-hmm. one example, but she loses Joyce, and she doesn't just lose Joyce, you know, because Joyce is off the show, but she also loses Joyce in that she spends much of the... There, there are, entire seasons almost where Joyce barely appears. She's sort of there, but it's, um, you know, you even look at the Avengers. It's, these are people who they are found family. Um, and I think that this is, you know, seeing the, the, these people who they all make a big deal about how they don't like each other. Don't they? I mean, they like, like, like you're always hearing how these people don't like each other. They saying it to each other. I don't like you. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that when the chips are down, these people are there. They will, be there mm-hmm. for you, except for maybe Jane. Yeah. Uh, which leads us into the next episode. Ariel. Ariel uh, episode nine. Yeah. Go ahead for your synopsis, sir. Oh, yeah. Let me go with my short synopsis here. Do, 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 do. All right. Ariel. Hard up for cash. Serenity takes on a job from Simon. Help him get through a diagnostic of River in return for the opportunity to loot the vast medical stores of an Alliance hospital on Central World Ariel. 
but River's pursuers are hot on their trail, and they receive some unexpected inside help. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. So let's just... You know, do we do we need to go through all of the machinations of what happens in the episode and how awesome I, Simon is? I don't is? think. Yeah, the, I don't think we need to go through the machinations. Because it. uh, it's the end of the episode. The highlights here. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, it's the end of the episode. There are well, a couple interesting things that I didn't realize because the episode starts and really what sends Jane off the deep end in betraying them is they're just sitting around. I think in the kitchen, and then out of nowhere, River grabs a knife and slashes at Jane's chest. Yeah. Um, cutting him open slightly, which is, of course, what then makes them realize, oh, River's getting worse. Uh, I was looking online, and one of the things that they said was Jane was wearing a Blue Sun t-shirt. Yep. Well, so and she actually, you see, and I didn't realize that at the time. It's like she's not slashing at him. She's slashing at the logo on the t-shirt. That is one way to look at it. I've also heard it uh, said that she's, you know, can she read minds or can she see the future? And if she can see the future... You know, does she know what Jane is going to do? And is she responding to what Jane is going to do? Like, is this? Uh, I, I don't know. I Reading minds with I, I can think of no evidence of River being able to see the future. That doesn't hmm. necessarily scan. But she I can, could it, she could see the could. Jane's thoughts of betraying her, though. That, that's something. Well, she but could that's do. the th- but the I mean, Jane's thoughts of betraying really don't come into play. Well, for one thing, I my feeling is Jane doesn't like he's not long term planning to betray them. He doesn't betray them until A, he gets cut open by River, and B, they realize that they're going he realizes that they're going to an alliance world. Both of those things happen. Uh you know, I don't think he seriously starts planning to betray them until after she's cut him open. So do you think this um, is just again, a, Jane it, is not Jane's not a, Jane is not a long term thinker. Yeah, I mean, I I guess what what I what I wonder is, does River take a turn for the worse, and and then that springs this episode into, you know, like like you know, River gets sicker, and so this episode happens, or does something cause River to get sicker, which then makes the, that's that's I guess the question that I'm asking is 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 this is this crazy moment uh um a manifestation of something that's that's larger going on, or is this just a a you know something that's happening as part of the 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 denigration of her condition. Um normally I would say that deliberate choice is uh a more interesting, you know, that uh, that deliberate machinations are a more interesting choice than something accidental, but I honestly think in this and the way I would prefer to look at it for me at least is I think this is just this is just the way things are going. This is just part of her denigration. Jane wore the wrong t-shirt at the wrong time that day. Huh. And that's how it all spirals from there. Now, that being said, I think it's, you know, the fact is Jane, while he might not have been actively planning to betray them, his capacity to betray them uh, meant that at some point the job was going to, you know, they were going to get a job in the core world sooner or later. Um, so this was bound to happen at some point. It just happened to happen here. Um, before we get to the end of the episode, which is really where the conversation mm-hmm. is, I do want to talk yeah. about how freaking awesome Simon is in this episode. Yeah, Simon, go into that. Simon is a great doctor. It turns out he's been a field me- medic. All you've ever seen him be is a field medic. But in this episode, mm-hmm. he comes across a situation where where there's a patient who is dying and 
it, he could walk away and instead he bests all of the doctors. He's really almost like Stephen Strange level of like, you know, if you watch like the yeah, first half of Doctor he really Strange, is. he just comes in and it's just like, boom, he knows what to do. He is instant the very- diagnosis. You all got it wrong. You were killing him here. This will fix him. Okay, I need to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I just love because Simon is largely unlikable a lot of the time. Like he just really is. He's just not. Like mm-hmm. in the, and I don't want to say a lot of time, but let's say the first half of these episodes, Simon is very difficult to like. Um, I started really liking Simon from this point forward. Like this, well, it really it also shows you just how much of a degree he was a fish. He's a fish out of water. Like yeah. this sense that the man can barely. One of the reasons why he's unlikable is because the man can barely fend for himself out in the black. Yeah, and yet you put him in this situation, and he's the and most capable person there, and he yeah. is an elite. Yeah. Ah, uh, I love it. Yeah, it, it 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 does sort of drive home to you. Oh shit, he gave up a lot. It wasn't just like, oh yeah, yeah I was some other doctor. It's like, no, he gave up a ton for this. Um, um but but let's talk about the scene that is that if, yeah. if if you only have five minutes to watch this episode, mm-hmm. know that Jane betrays them. Jane gets knocked out, and Mal mm-hmm. puts Jane in an airlock. And let's well, talk. I think it's Jane, Jane betrays them, and then at a crucial moment, Jane decides not to betray them and helps them escape. Uh. I think that's that's an important thing to consider as well. Is that, sure. um, and I think that's probably the only reason why Mal let him live, uh, or not the only reason, but it certainly would have gone into it. Is that halfway through turning them over to the Alliance, he developed a conscience and backed out. I um I have, and again, I'm taking this a little bit from the Mighty Fine Shindig uh, podcast, which when you're done with ours, it's also another good Firefly podcast. But um, uh, they they have postulated that the reason and the sole reason that Mal lets Jane live is because Jane says, and we talked about this before, um, mm-hmm. that Jane says, don't tell them, don't tell them what I did. Uh, that's certainly the immediate reason and the largest reason. Um because he's not doing what that to save t- his own life. He's he's he he mm-hmm. thinks he's going to die, and he cares what they think, and that's just that's, what they think. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know, there's there could also be some things in there too that uh, you know, maybe Mal doesn't want to kill somebody in cold blood that you know in that particular way. Uh, you know, he'll shoot somebody down in a duel, but he's not an executor, uh, executioner rather. Um, the yeah, and again, this just goes into Jane's wonderful, colorful mora- morality. Uh, again, he's not a good guy. This like, and this is not even a total repentance at all. This is not a oh, I'm so sorry. I'll be better from here on out. I promise. It was just a simple don't don't tell them it was me, which is not. That is not exactly a come to Jesus moment. No, uh, it no. it is for Jane, you know, uh, but uh, you know, but by any other degree, it's a very small thing. Um, the other thing that uh, the other thing I guess that I want to talk about is that that the the presence of the blue hands in this episode, the the lengths to which the, to which they are willing to go. I mean, this is it's very easy to see that that where this was all going was the operative. 
because this seems if, yeah you know a lot of people we'll get to Jubal early at the end of this of this podcast but a lot mm-hmm. of people say he's the precursor to the operative I would say what you're seeing here is the true precursor to the operative just I, I would agree with that I think Jubal early is Jubal early is a fantastic character and no doubt they were going to find a way to bring him back because they didn't show him killed at the end uh the I mean he's such a great but he's a bounty hunter through and through. He's he's kind of a loose cannon. Um but yeah, the two you know, the two by two hands of blue guys, uh the fact that they just wantonly go through and kill anybody who might have come into contact with River, in particularly, you know, technological and freaky deaky ways of doing it. Uh they were set up to be uh and I think they achieved, you know, they they achieved making these guys downright scary. Yeah, no, without a doubt, without it, they they're somewhere between the operative and the gentleman from Buffy. I, just, yes, yeah. that's a great. Yeah, it's it, they're 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 very. By by the way, um, and we'll talk about it when we do. I'll just say it now. Um, if you like Jubal Early and you like the operative, there is a um a follow up comic book to Serenity, um, in which uh, Jubal Early is a problem and uh the uh crew of the of Serenity have to uh get the operative to help them. Uh, with oh, Jubal that's Early. interesting. It's really good. Um, that's kind of cool. Um. Uh. Speaking of kind of cool, Firefly episode ten, uh, mm-hmm. war stories. Uh, go war ahead, stories. Give, give oh, us, this yeah. is a great one. Um, Niska, fantastic villain again. Yes. I really, really dig him. He's so it, he's so scenery chewing, like evil. Uh, actually, if they had the budget, concept. this would be evil, Al Pacino, right? Uh, yeah, this <laughs> might be. Yeah, exactly. This is. Uh, I wonder if there's a trope specifically called this, but evil in a three piece suit. Yeah. That should be a trope, uh, and he fits that to a to a T. Um, the I love how much it flushes out. This is the episode that really deals with the inherent jealousy between that, or the inherent jealousy found in. Hey, I'm married to a woman who has a male best friend and who shares things with that male best friend that I don't share with her. Um, and I think they handle it really well, and they handle it in a very realistic way. Um, yeah, I mean, also, I mean, as realistic as you can be when you know both the best friend and the husband are captured and tortured together. Yes, that's re- yes. <laughs> uh, well, but also I think a great mo- and again two uh, two spectacular examples of trope undercutting here. Uh, you know, which is always one of my favorite moments in a Joss show. Uh, the first is when they show up to Niska to try to buy to buy the two back. And Niska says, oh, yes, this is enough money for one of them. Ah, and now you see the interesting choice. Then Zoe's like him and points to Wash, uh, yeah. which, A, ah. I love the look on Niska. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, but also, it. so aside from being this really funny moment, it also, in that moment is kind of the answer to the question of the, the episode that, to the whole question yeah. of the episode like the and yes i suppose you could say you know from a purely utilitarian perspective she knew that mal could take it for longer than wash could but uh i think ultimately i i like to think that the primary reason is just like fuck no that's my husband that's the love of my life of course i'm getting him if i had to yeah. choose no uh, and, it, and it's an instantaneous decision 
Um, and then the second moment of undercutting that I love is when they've broken free and uh, Mal is fighting with his torturer over a, uh, you know, on the edge of a precipice. And um, uh, I forget who it is, maybe Wash or somebody raises their gun to shoot the torturer. And Zoe, like, stops him and says, no, he has to do this himself. And no, then off screen, you hear Mal, no, I don't. And Zoe, oh. Oh, okay. And then they just raise their guns <laughs> and shoot the guy. Like I, The fact that it's off screen, too, yes. is... Uh, now that I stop to think about it, if you would cut to Mal saying, no, I don't, it would not have been nearly as funny. Like, that is brilliant directing in yeah. that moment to just say, nope, he says it off screen. You're confident in the joke. The joke will work. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, uh, wanted to uh, also point out that uh, the tvtropes.com that I'm on, or .org that I'm on right now points out that there is a trope that is named after this episode. Believe it or not. Ooh. Um, What's that? Uh, um, it is uh, when uh, Anara brings on a female client uh, and they go into the other room. Jane looks is at the them tro- and oh, wait, says, wait, is the trope, I'll be in my bunk? I'll be in my bunk. Oh, um, so let, let me guess what that trope would be. Um the I'll be in my bunk trope is the I just saw something hot, so I'm going to imply that I'm going to go off and take care of myself because it was so hot. Yes. Yes. And it's named that, after that, this, this episode. This is absolutely the trope definer right here. Yes. That moment that is just <laughs> it's wonderful. And because it's Jane because it's Jane who says it too. You're like, of course it would be. And of course Jane would be someone who would who would not have a problem just saying it straight out loud. Like he's like Yep, y'all know what I'm gonna do. That that's where I am. If you need me, <laughs> and <laughs> oh, watch watch this. When he, can I be the king of segways here? Speaking um, of, I'll be in my bunk. Yes. Firefly episode eleven trash brings back uh, our Mrs. Ah, Reynolds. I see that real real quick. I, I I hate to destroy that fantastic segue. Oh no, um, my segue, my segue. Oh, it went off a cliff. Oh, too oh, soon. Oh, dude. Um. Too <laughs> what? Too tsunami. Too soon. <laughs> um, the uh, the fact that Inara brings on a female client. Uh, again, this show being a product of its time. Uh, Jane's "I'll be in my bunk." I don't think it would have landed nowadays. Um, just because it, not because people would have thought, "Oh, he's you know being." backwards in his thinking but just because oh okay she brought on a female guest okay cool like it's it's not as big a deal now as okay, it was okay so 10 so years i'm going i'm going to put the disclaimer right here um we're going to get a little more adult in our conversations there's stuff i want to say and i'm not going to hold back uh so if you've been okay. listening so far um if you're under the age of, of 18 or you think it's blah 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 um uh adult language here don't you think that's sort of hypoth- hypocritical of society because you're right absolutely it would come out here and people would go oh look it's it's you know it's so denigrating to gay couple blah 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 you know what if you're th- there's such a prevalence of 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 i'm gonna say the words lesbian porn out there like a dude thinking about two beautiful women together is going to be arousing not because of gay panic or because of any disrespect but because Dudes think about what they, like there's more porn now than there's ever been. And there's an acceptance of that sometimes as being sex positive. But on the other hand, 
saying that that is an arousing thing might not land today and it might be thought of as being you know you know not progressive enough that he would say that. i think that there's a certain don't you think there's a certain amount of of over pc to a point there that you that he, that would not um, be accepted I'm, now i mean it's what are your thoughts there? I, I i'm not sure i i'm not sure if uh you might be arguing against a point that i didn't necessarily mean to make like you might have been misconstruing my original uh thought with that is it's the for me i think the the joke might not land just because well it seeing uh seeing two women kissing each other or being intimate in mainstream tv is no longer a uh or actually and you know and seeing two men together in mainstream tv is no longer a uncommon occurrence. And so because of that, commenting on a common occurrence just doesn't carry the same humorous punch to it. But if it's um, too but, think, it, no, but but those two particular women, I mean it's you know that I think that that it could be said now you know if 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 it was an R going I'm going to go take a shower and he said I'll be in my bunk, you know you would sort of the sort of the same the same joke is there. And and I mm-hmm. I mean I I don't want to get too I, much. I, I, I'm having a. I'm, yeah. Can you can you try to rephrase uh, what what exactly you're finding hypocritical with it? I mean, I'm not saying that I disagree. I just I, what I, just I would find. What what, I guess. At. I guess there's there's there are times that that I look at, and again, this is more philosophical. But like, like you know, if you just want to get an episode guide, you can read it. Um. Uh. There there are times when I look at the like what is okay to sit like the how am i going to phrase this there there is such an acceptance of everything being positive everything's positive right um mm-hmm. that 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 watching porn is sex positive and and you certainly do want to be accept, accepting of all couples but it would if you did this in the show there would be a certain you know group that would say that would say why would you say why do you have to say that that's that's you know that's so judgmental that's you know what like that that is somehow you know objectifying which oh, it is but a character like jane probably would do and i feel that you'd have people i, I, who I think i think i get now. this this is actually this is continuing with the conversation i know you and i have had before and i think yeah. over it's one you guys dealt with on trek off a lot too uh go listen to trek off hey see what i did there see, ah, see? thank plug you plug for you um which is the inherent confusion that comes into uh well it's like case in point um you know the companion or just the the whole institution of uh prostitution is it uh, is it sex positive and empowering to women? Is it denigrating to them? There are people who think both. This is whenever you deal with sexual and gender morality, uh, the it's it, it I can see what you're saying. It is like you say it's how can it, there seems to be an inherent contradiction in saying, oh no, everything is positive. But then at the same time saying, but these things aren't like it's it is a very, very confusing uh, morass of ethical. And if they're not contradictions, then frequently they become paradoxes. Um, and I my think that's only, what I, so, my, so, my, so, my general yeah. guideline to approaching that is uh, you ask if something can be overly PC. Uh, my guideline for approaching that question is two parts. One Yes, it probably is possible for something to be overly PC. And two, the last people who have a right to decide where that line is are white guys. No, I and so. I agree with you. And I and I and I certainly, you know, if there's 
a type of person that I can say that I am against. It is a person going, and that's why it's not fair for anyone to say I can't say. But but I would say the 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 struggle for white guys is what's okay because there's a certain amount of of, mm-hmm. of in my life going. Is this okay? Is what I'm doing all right? Because I'm as I'm yeah. such an a ball of anxiety as I am. Um, is it mm-hmm. so? You know, for instance, I know a number of wonderfully awesome women who do burlesque. It's something that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's very empowering, and yep. it is. I have, des- I have friends in that field as well. It is designed. And part of what it, they they're doing, and some of them, and, and some of those things, they, it is designed to be arousing. Mm-hmm. And yet, for a guy sometimes to say, "Hey, look at that chick. That's very arousing. Look at that woman. It's very. It's arousing for me to look at those breasts." Is is sometimes that is like that's objectified. Like it's it seems like mm-hmm. I. I l- yeah, hope. It's, it's so it is so context dependent. Yeah, I I hope that the joke could be made. There's a similar joke in uh, in Buffy that I want to ask you about. Um, mm-hmm. At one point in Once More with Feeling, uh, Xander uh, says uh, about Willow and Tara. Sometimes when I think about the two of them doing a spell, I go off and do a spell all by myself. Oh yeah, is that joke okay? Is the joke okay? And is the idea of Xander having those kind of thoughts about Willow and Tara okay? Mm-hmm. And and I'll, and I'll follow my follow up question. Is, I want you to answer that for me. I'll also answer: Is it is because the the answer could be well the fact that he's got that relationship with with Willow and Tara that he does have it's not okay because his relationship with them as is that is as it is. But are men not? You know, if are men not likely to be aroused? Let's say if they were to see a platonic female friend of theirs naked, would that not be an arousing experience? What What is your thought on that particular joke? Oh boy! Wow, you really <laughs> just threw a fastball across the plate there. Um, in that particular moment with that particular joke, uh, I would say that is. I mean, so much of com- so much of comedy comedy is just commenting on what is and i would say in this case what is is that yes a large number of men find two women uh being intimate together uh powerfully arousing uh that's not necessary i won't even say whether that's good or bad that is just you know either a, a i'm not even going to say whether it was put in us biologically or culturally but most of the men in America, or many of the men in America today, would find that uh, concept at least a little bit arousing. Just, it's involuntarily um, so, chemical at this point. Yeah, it, yeah. So the so that then becomes a. Uh, I, I'm suddenly imagining a stand-up comic, like in, in a stand-up comedy routine. You know, a stand-up comic say, "You know how when you just sort of see blah blah blah," and you know, and then makes a joke similar to that. That would be it. Would be considered an adult joke, but yeah, pretty pretty tame compared to where you could go with that sort of thing. I, my personal interpretation of that would, I do not find that joke to be homophobic at all. I'd like, so my, my personal feeling on that would be, yeah, I'd be okay with that. That doesn't ring ring any, or doesn't ring any alarm bells for me. That being said, if somebody was not okay with that, I would be very interested in hearing why. And this is gets back into the, you know, the problem that you really presented, which is 
as men who want to be good guys and do the right thing, uh, I mean, both you and I, we have gone back, you know, in the, God, over 10 years now that we've known each other. So many of our late night conversations keep, have been keep, wrestling. Keep going, because the- we're, I, I think we're, I think we're at 15, but go for it. Keep going. Yeah, uh, seriously, the, uh, you know, we've been wrestling with the ethics of what it means to be a good person and in some cases a good man. Um, my take on this parti- on this whole area of, uh, you know, dealing with uh, sexual morality uh, with women in the case, you know, burlesque is a perfect example of that, is that, no, we, it's entirely possible we may never, there, we may never get it. We may never fully understand exactly how all the ethics of it fall out with the same intuitive ability that a lot of the people in burlesque do. Um, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with their own experiences and everything like that. And I would say in this area, um, for those of us who want to be good people, and actually specifically for those of us who want to be good men in these situations, what is most important for us in today's day and age is not even to understand so much as it is to listen. To be able to say, it's better to okay, seek, it's seek to understand rather than be understood. Is yes, exactly, yes. and because because it is also entirely possible. Uh, both you and I have fallen prey to this in that sometimes the desire to be a good person can become narcissistic in and of itself. Yeah, it becomes more about the oh no, I've got to be a good guy instead of just doing good. Um, you know, the truly best people. Their pride is not hurt. Their pride in themselves is not hurt if they make a mistake. They just think, "Oh, I don't want to make that mistake again in the future because I want to do the right thing." Um, and sometimes for us, and I know I can certainly say for me, the pride of being able to say that I'm a good man has gotten in the way of me understanding somebody. It's the classic case of somebody saying you're racist or or like or you have this one racist tendency and immediately all the defense walls go up and how dare you? I'm not racist it, even though if the defenses didn't go up, you could have just listened and said, "Oh. Oh, okay, yes, in that area, yeah, I suppose I do have a racist tendency." I would say um, that that my 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 two my two thoughts, one sort of a non sequitur, but I'll say it in regards to the burlesque thing, because I was watching my friends do burlesque and that was, mm-hmm. I think that was the weird thing for me. I found, I think I would be much less uncomfortable if I was watching strangers do it, but it was like, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's my friend. She doesn't have a shirt on. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do I, am I supposed to, is it rude that I'm not looking? Should I look? I'm looking. Is it okay <laughs> that I'm looking? This, this Is it okay? That, but sh- am I staring? I need to be looking. Okay. I, I will look up. Look, eyes up. You know, that's what you say. Eyes up. You know, don't put, don't let your eyes go there. Eyes up. But Oh my, God, you adorable little creature. My, are my eyes are supposed to go there. They put tassels that my eyes are supposed to go there. But but I'm not supposed to. I'm so confused. Oh, so, you poor, poor man. I know. It's, it's mostly, it's, that's my, most of my, most of my experience. And then afterward, I love that we talk to them so much in Trek Hop because we get to talk mm-hmm. to them about what a cool experience that is. That's part of the empowerment. They are, they have literal power over me. 
me at that point. I That's am, true. I am there. If power is something one thing has over another thing, that is mm-hmm. they have power over me at that. I am. I am not strong there mm-hmm. um and, and that's uh that's but i would say in general the key if 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 one is confused about being good um i would say the key would be one try to be good and two if you find yourself judging somebody else for something that they're doing that isn't hurting anybody stop ever yeah. ever don't don't if you think what they're mm-hmm. doing is bad but you can't see a victim to what they're doing if you're like, what you're doing is bad, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to think someone's doing something bad. Like if you go, what you're doing is bad, and that person's standing over somebody else who's bleeding, it's good that you said what you're doing is bad. However, mm-hmm. if you're saying what you're doing is bad and there's no bleeding person, <laughs> there's no metaphorically th- speaking. Yeah. Then then yeah. Then 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 mm-hmm. then I'd say that at the at the very at the very least, that is a very good general guideline to follow. Yeah. So, yeah. um, um, sorry, we you were- know, what's so funny is I love that it was the episode. <laughs> I like that, you know, none of our deep conversations in this particular episode had to do with torture or the long term implications of everything. It was all based on the one I'll be in my bunk line. And let's also comment on the irony of we're having this conversation and we haven't even gotten to heart of gold yet. I know. <laughs> um, so anything else for more stories? Nothing else for more stories. Um uh, moving on to trash. Moving on to trash. I fear that this is going to turn into a, another split coming up. Uh, oh my god, up. you're so because coming up on an hour, and I did it this time. Son of a bitch, Justin. Uh, no, that's okay. That's okay. This is the we we knew this was going to happen. The, um, I was actually thinking about this, and the and I feel like I should explain to the listeners too. And this is probably going to be the case with Totally Super as well. To me, that is the beauty of stories like this. Is I don't want you know, this podcast is not just existing to just talk about, you know, the episodes in the sense of, I liked this moment. I didn't like this moment. This is why I thought this moment was artistically good. This is why I thought they, you know, screwed the pooch in, pooch in this moment artistically. To me, stories are wonderful because they provoke thought. And these little tangents of ours, the fact that they come about from the stories is, uh, that's kind of what they're there for. Well, it's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to doing Totally Super is that there's going to be room for both. Because uh, right now we're trying to get, you know, hey, let's try and get six episodes in in an hour, you know, where whereas we could you know, take take, you know, a good 30, 40 minutes talking about the stuff we liked and also have the, you know, have the freedom for another 30, 40 if, if we wanted to, to, to find our way through, through these sort of discussions, because the, these stories, and I would say, you know, and this is because I love Joss so much, Joss Whedon's stories in general, um, tend to bring me to these places of, of wondering about mm-hmm. these things. And I think, yeah. I, I don't think it's on, on accident. I think he intends for this yeah, to be something, stuff something that tells me about. that uh, we're not going to be brought to this particular level of discussion when we review the Blade Two Supergirl or Blade Two. No, no, we're not. Is Blade a superhero? Oh yeah, man. We're we got to do okay. Blade, I guess the Blade we're, trilogy. Okay, God, I guess. Oh boy, we're, Blade, we're doing the Blade trilogy. Blade huh? is Blade is not only a superhero. He is the first movie that comes out under the Marvel logo. Oh yeah, no, we've got to do the that first then. one. Yeah, we got we got to do Blade, man. Okay, I'm 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 not kidding right now. Okay, maybe a little bit, but the prospect of having to 
watch and then talk through the Blade trilogy makes me say, "Is it? are you sure it's not too late to completely change the theme of our show? Oh, come on, though, man. Blade, first of all, Blade 2 is great. Blade 2 is a great film. It's directed by Guillermo del Toro. It's so much fun. It's got an incredible cast. Blade 3 has uh, Ryan Reynolds doing Deadpool before he ever does Deadpool. Um, and, and Blade 1 is okay. Um, Blade 3 is not very good. Uh, but it's got stuff to talk about. It's now when you say Supergirl, that's going to be a hard. I, although it's the bad ones that are going to be fun to talk about. I think <laughs> like, no, that I I I I am going to relish diving into talking about that movie. Um, but uh, but no, I guess you're right. So okay, we're going to be finishing up this podcast with talking about trash. At which point we'll be huh, doing another podcast in which we talk about the message, Heart of Gold, and objects in oh, see, space i thought you were going to go a different way going we're going to finish this podcast talking about trash and evidently in some of our other podcasts we're just going to talk about trash that's what i thought you were going to say i was ready yeah. for that joke <laughs> oh I, was, I see what you did that yeah uh, trash uh, uh Sa- that means two comes things. back um uh saffron comes back uh it's mm-hmm. once again just like uh we're just like we began this is a trope uh it's called how we got <laughs> here um uh which is it, oh you, yeah yeah, mm-hmm. you see something. Start with a really start with a really cool, weird scene, and then say, "How did it get here? How did that happen?" Um, uh, overused now, maybe a little. Perhaps. Um, it. Yeah, you know what? Come to think of it, it. I have seen it used more often now. There are some places in which it's a. Uh, uh, I mean, shoot, I'm actually using it in uh, a script I'm writing for uh, the fair this year. Uh, and it's it's been used before is in stunt shows the general rule with uh with like sword fighting or stunt shows is start with action mm-hmm. uh as i'm sure is actually the case with stuff like that uh with with uh movie action films as well start with action and a great way to start with action is literally start in the middle of a huge massive fight uh and that it can be something as direct as you know, suddenly all action freezing, and then one of the characters just turning to the camera and saying, "Bet you'd like to know how I got myself into this situation." And then, well, and you they, know, things jumping I, back. They from do that. it on Arrow all the time. They did it, you know, very famously in the first John Wick. Um, you know, they just show you this impossible situation, and then they go, "Ah." Um, in this case, mm-hmm. uh, Mal is naked, which is uh, um, something that that. I know that uh, Mrs. J, my lovely wife, would uh, like to see more of um, uh, because she would absolutely, in a heartbeat, cheat on me with Malcolm Reynolds. I don't know if she would so, with uh, I don't know if she with would Fillion, with, with Nathan Fillion, but with Malcolm now, Reynolds. Because um, oh, I think- that's an interesting thing. I never. So of course, you know the the concept of the celebrity five has been around for forever. But what about the character top five? Like well, to have a laminated list of okay, if you ever met this fictional character. Well, I think it celebrities okay. can poison their well because I think at the time it would have been Nathan Fillion, but then mm-hmm. Captain Hammer happened, and I think that Captain Hammer poisoned Nathan Fillion to the point where <laughs> that was just Malcolm Reynolds. Yeah, not not because, and you say poison, not because he did a bad job with Captain Hammer. No, he did, he did an such amazing a good job. job being. A, it's interesting that you know the psychotic murder priest in Buffy doesn't necessarily poison him, but. 
you know, but superhero douchebag does. Yeah, I you know. I would say the superhero douchebag is less attractive than psychotic murder priest. I would say that, <laughs> that Captain Hammer is arguably one of the most revolting characters ever put on screen. Yeah, that's true. Um, I love the fact. Let's be honest. Self-obsessed preppy. Self. <laughs> self-obsessed. The jock hammer is my. The hammer is li- my penis. I think just ruined everything. Yeah. No. No. Self-obsessed. Jock douchebags are literally more evil than psychotic, psychotic priests, murder priests yes. dedicated to bringing about the end of the world. <laughs> All right. We just put that out there. Um, yeah. So, okay. So trash is also, it's a, it's a great heist thing. Sure. I mean, so much of, sorry, as, as we're going back and covering these Firefly, these uh, Firefly episodes, I'm realizing, oh, this episode is totally this classic story. Uh, like Heart of Gold, which we'll get to next uh, week, is... Classic Magnificent Seven or Seven Samurai. Um, this is an absolute heist film. This is the, oh, who trusts who? We don't know. And then the, oh, she got one over on them. And, oh, no, they got a double one over on them. These are the kind of episodes that sometimes they make my head hurt because they are so convoluted. But if you do it right, it's, oh, the payoff is so rewarding. Well, uh, I to see all of the little double backs and... I enjoy what happens with Saffron uh, in this episode because there's a point where I think that she's actually telling the truth when she talks about how she gets into this the situation. And I think then she backs off from the truth and makes it seem like it's a lie. But her whole her whole uh like story of of how she got into this and her relationship with 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 uh with this guy is I think how it actually went down. Um I think that's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, uh, again, there's there's so much. I mean, we don't have enough time to unpack everything in this episode. But you're right; it's convoluted. It's like every she's married to everybody. Um, I'm not as happy about her comeuppance this time. I kind of, I kind of like care about her this time. Maybe she's conned me by the end. Um, I ah. I hope to God she would become a main character in the second season. Mm-hmm. Like I want her well, that's there. The, uh- she does kind of remind me in a, in a very strange degree of uh, one of my current favorite shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which if you have not seen is amazing and totally watchable. Uh, the Pontiac Bandit, who is a recurring character um, in which essentially he is this, uh, he is a car thief that Jake Peralta, the main guy, is constantly trying to catch. And I think he appears first in the first season. And at the end, Jake thinks he's got him. And then, oh, he pulled something brilliant and gets away. And he just keeps coming back at least once a season. Um, and Jake still keeps chasing him and never keeps catching him. But what makes it so funny is that you're never sure whether he's actually being a good guy or not. Like, frequently, it turns out that Jake needs his help for something. So he's help- So half the time, he ends up helping Jake. Half the time, he doesn't. Uh, and the fact that you just have you have no clue where this man's loyalties lie at any given moment is fantastic and pretty difficult to do in a show. Like it, it's one thing to have the characters not know where a particular person's loyalties lie. It's another thing to have the viewing audience know. I have being able to say I have no idea if she's telling the truth or a lie at any like literally. Any piece of dialogue she I'll, says. I'll take it I a step no further. I'll take it a step further. I think there are points in this episode where she doesn't know if she's lying. That's entirely I think possible that, too. That, that, yeah. you know, they say they say if you tell a lie enough, it becomes the truth. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that this is that this is one of those things. Um, yeah. We can't let the episode go by without once again talking, talking about the end, the end, and Jane, yeah. um, mm-hmm. because this is wonderful. Um, well, first of all, let's jump to the very end. Uh, Mal walking back onto the ship naked, and everybody's reaction to it, and just how confidently he does it, just like, yeah. "Yep, here I am." Um, and well, every. I- I get, I get the sense too, and in the way he re- reacted to that, um, he probably didn't expect Saffron to take his clothes when uh-huh. she absconded. Uh, so that was probably an unexpected snag. If that were me in that situation, we, ev- let me just say, I think Mal's confident attitude in that moment is completely premeditated. It was him saying, oh God, the guys are going to never let me hear the end of it. So I might as well just own the shit out of this. Because then they can't. Because because like, if they try and give him a hard mm-hmm. time about it, he'll be like, yeah, what? He gets to yeah, do that now. Exactly. Like, I can imagine him sitting naked on that planet and thinking, okay, when I get picked up, how <laughs> do I handle this? <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and I'd like to think that's what I do, but I'd be like, can someone please... Just can I have a towel or something or a sock? Okay, it's colder on this planet than you realize, okay? Um, yeah, but everyone's reaction as well is really interesting. It's re- like mm-hmm. it's 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 fun. But really, the moment to talk about is uh, uh, Jane finally comes into the med. It's from TV Tropes. Uh, c- comes into the med bay, unable to move. Simon lets Jane thinks he's paralyzed for a few seconds, during which Jane is clearly clearly terrified. Before explaining that it's a temporary situation to make sure that Jane wouldn't injure himself upon coming to, and then has a nice chat with Jane about what happened on Ariel and how they should really mm-hmm. trust each other and live together instead of looking for opportunities to stab to backstab each other. He promises never to hurt Jane, despite all the times that Jane is likely to be helpless and under Simon's knife due to the wounds that Jane tends to pick up in his line of work and then Simon leaves and then River says I can kill you with my brain Um, this is the moment for me that Simon became that Simon was a likable character for me like definitively where I was like oh this guy's awesome Um, it was just such a powerful moment uh, and which I've gone over many times in previous podcasts so I won't belabor it here but just a true example of his goodness um also, this is the first time I think that it clicked for me that I realized just how psychic River was. Um, the Because up until this... Well, really, in war stories, when she just, without even looking, shot six people straight dead. Boom, that boom, was the boom. first time. Yeah. yeah. That was the first time I was like, oh, oh, God, they've created something terrifying. Uh, not just a poor bro. Like, at first... For the first half of the season, I thought she was. We just didn't broken. even talk about that with war stories, but yeah, she does yeah. that. She just like without looking, just goes boom, 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 and wipes. And it then, out. and then, oh, and okay, I got to talk about that moment real quick because it start the episode practically starts with her playing with Kaylee in a very just big sister, little sister kind of way, like some kind of like not quite hide and seek, but just a very fun childlike game. And at one point, I think Kaylee, uh, you know, just shouts out. She's like, oh, I'm going to get you. No power in the verse can stop me. Like a very playful way. And then when River shoots six people dead without even blinking and then turns and looks back at Kaylee and the smile on her face. And then she says, no power in the verse can stop me. That moment gave me chills. Like not just in how cool it was, but also, oh, God, that is terrifying. Um, um, and Kaylee being terrified in that moment too. Yeah. Do, are you are you 
sad that we never got to see her kill anyone with her brain because ultimately what it turns out is that she's a she's a little bit psychic and and is a cool kung fu fighter that's what ends up being um that's all we ever get i i am not sad i think if we had seen her like go full scanners on somebody uh and make their brain explode or something like that i think that would have been too much i feel like this show does a very good job of skating the edge of ooh we're sci-fi technology so there's cool weird stuff we can do without ever going overboard with it i feel like that would have gone too far i would have i there's a part of me that would have enjoyed i mean i'm a i'm a sucker for the dark phoenix story i mean i am mm-hmm. they they're doing it they're doing it right now on flash not very well they're doing it kind of sort of okay on flash right now mm-hmm. with one of the characters but i really am dark willow don't use the magic or it's going to make you bad you know the idea of her going full-on killing a room full of people with her brain and then not being able to necessarily control that she's doing it and the danger of that popping up some i think that's that mm-hmm. that appeals to me that that kind of story but i mean we'll never know i guess yeah um uh so so yeah um the the capability of simon in that last uh moment the vulnerability of jane the uh Mm. the 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 jokiness with which she says something that is probably true um uh i think this cements that but i i i it's really interesting because what uh what simon says to jane is mirrored very much in what uh in what mal later says to simon in serenity which is if i ever if i ever kill you you'll be facing me and you'll be armed it's sort of that same is that in serenity i thought that was in the uh was that in serenity i always thought that i, I had some memory of that being in the pilot i think uh which interestingly maybe is also that is serenity. the pilot. maybe that is but the pilot. well either way i'm right yes it's a, either way i'm yeah, correct either way it's yeah very true it's um that yeah, it's of- it's like I, I I borrowed that kind of you know to me that's always the difference between L.A. and New York. L.A. will smile at you and then stab you in the back. New York will never stab you in the back. It'll cheerfully shoot you in the face. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, that's yeah. That's um. I guess what I like about and I think that I think the influence of these people is eventually what turns Jane from the Jane we see here into the Jane who says, if you can't do something smart, do something good. You know, I think that 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 it's easy to overlook Jane's arc, but Jane has an arc happening Mm -hmm. there and it's deliberate. You see, they are deliberately doing things to Jane regarding his betrayal and his like it's the first episode that's going to be a very interesting day you know all the way through like that that question of, mm-hmm. of whether or not james is going to betray that it's and inter- every step that jane takes is so wonderfully incremental and small there's yeah. no huge jump which would have stretched credibility but i do but it's still bold and that's what what, yeah. what amazes me when they wrote this script they didn't know that this is all they were ever going to be able to do they were just like we're going to go in it's really bold like three episodes in a row just go hey we're going to f- deal with jane and and what he's doing we're going to deal hardcore with mm-hmm. him um like to do that so fast out of the gate is part of what makes the show so great because if they hadn't done it it would have just been a first season of a show that never went anywhere instead it feels like a complete piece of art 
Yeah, um, really does. So, which we're going to finish next episode. Uh, sorry that we <laughs> we took an hour and ten minutes to do three episodes. We're just getting like we went from doing like two seasons of Buffy in an hour to doing three episodes of Firefly in an hour. But yeah, seriously, we can uh, we can we can only hope that uh, you listeners out there are enjoying it and that you're you're wasting your lives listening to this just as much as we're wasting our lives <laughs> making it. <laughs> I look, I, look I, I see us in uh, in in like I'm going to flash forward to 2018. Thank you for listening to Totally Super podcast uh and the first 10 minutes of batman returns uh next <laughs> i know next next episode we'll spend an hour and 20 minutes on the opening credits <laughs> the opening credits why is uh, the opening why is credit the, uh why is that sewer why is what's he doing down there and how long is he actually down there next we're episode. going to spend yeah the next episode we're going to spend 30 minutes talking about the opening credits of spider-man and what it means for multicultural feminism in the third world <laughs> for now my name is justin and my name is arthur pop off and we are popping off <laughs> The Totally Super Podcast is coming to Geeks Radio. Justin and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. Search for Totally Super Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Totally Super Podcast 2017.